pray together. God, we ask that in this moment that you might open our hearts and our minds to the end that we might not leave here just more knowledgeable, but that we might be drawn closer to you. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. All right, family, I don't have too much time to spare, but uh, let me let you know that uh, these past couple of weeks on Wednesday, during Kingdom Seekers Bible Study, we've started this series recently uh, called Words for the Weary, where we look in the Bible at some words that we might be able to mind for those times when we don't necessarily feel like shouting, but those times when life circumstances start to hit us in a certain way and wear down on us to the point where sometimes we just don't feel like it. So on this Sunday morning, I want to continue that series a little bit. And in that regard, I want you guys to meet me in Psalm 13, the 13th Psalm. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation on this morning. The phrasing might differ a little bit from your copy of God's Word, but I can assure you that we can learn the same things. Uh, so Psalm chapter 13, meet me right there. I'm going to read the whole thing. It's only six verses in the Psalm. Uh, but I think there's a lot for us in these six verses. So bear with me. Psalm 13 says, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me. Oh, Lord, my God, restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. The word of the the Lord on this morning. If you guys wouldn't mind bearing with me for these next few moments, I want to talk to you all about a love that hears our hurt. A love that hears our hurts. You see, there's a lot to be disappointed in nowadays. The refuge church is still following the cloud through the wilderness without a building. Oh Lord, how long will you forget us forever? We don't know who to believe about pandemic news. Oh Lord, how long? We can hardly catch our breath between mass shootings and black bodies dying in the streets. Oh Lord, how long? Elected officials seem more dedicated to staying elected officials than they are to serving the people who elected them. Oh Lord, how long? Elder Charles Baldwin hasn't been able to see for almost two years and has been battling kidney issues for even longer. Oh Lord. How long will you forget us? Forever? Yeah. Under these circumstances, claiming that we are blessed to be a blessing can often sound like more of a prophetic declaration than a statement of reality. But just as our faith declaration implores us to remember in unison every Sunday morning with all my Savior has done, and just as the psalmist right here in Psalm 13 recalls in the middle of this lament, you have rescued me. It is ironically God's track record for bringing us such a mighty long way that leaves us frustrated 
with whatever circumstances we may find ourselves in. It's in this paradox, this tension with knowing so many things about God and expecting God to move in certain ways and lingering there. It's in that paradox that uncovers the central truth of today's message that our disappointment is a sign of faith in God. Oh, I need you to hear that clearly. When you get disappointed, when you get frustrated, when you are weary in the Lord, it's not a sign of you drifting away. It's not a sign of backsliding. It is a sign of the hope that you have in God. It is a sign of you believing what God has said about God's self. The problem, the tension, the struggle then comes in. How do we reconcile our faith in God with our disappointment in God? Because within that paradox, there's this struggle where the disappointment can erode our faith. When we don't see our expectations met, we're liable to have our expectations changed. We're liable to stop believing in the goodness of the Lord. Sometimes we feel that we might need to edit our expectations and our characterizations of this God when we feel like we have to wait a little too Long. How do we call ourselves believers if and when we have the audacity to get angry with a God who either ignores our prayers or doesn't answer them quickly enough? How do we know we're being sanctified when the fullness of our humanity consistently leaves us questioning God? And as I look at this psalm, I recognize that uh, there's a few broken thoughts, a few suppositions, a few assumptions that we might be carrying that we need to correct in order to work on this relationship with this God. And the first broken thought we need to correct is that God cannot handle our hurt. You see, uh, I have it on good authority from, from the word of God and from the way that the world has, has unfolded in front of our very eyes that confronting God with our pain is a sign of intimacy. Oh yeah, it is, it is, it is, I mean that. Uh, look, one of the biggest barriers in communication is the impulse that we feel to bury our deepest emotions. Therapists exist because they've been trained to help us mine the areas of ourselves that lack the tools that we need to explore all of these, these parts of ourselves that we've pushed down. And when our broken communication skills serve as the foundation for our relationship with the creator of the heavens and the earth, then we can expect a broken relationship with the creator of the heavens and the earth. That, 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 that seems to follow logically to me. And having sat through multiple marriage and family counseling sessions, I can confidently say with, with a high degree of confidence, I'm pretty sure on this one right here, that uh, the work of, of reconciliation, the work of, of building a sound relationship hasn't truly begun until someone starts crying. Like, like until we bring that box of Kleenex out and start dabbing our mascara off the face, then, then we haven't done any real work yet. Intimacy has not begun until we begin to share the things that we're afraid of saying. In this song, we see disappointment. We see hurt. We see embarrassment. We see exasperation and desperation. We see angry demands. Turn and answer me, oh Lord my God. We see a whole lot of emotions that we tend to leave out of our worship services on Sundays. But the one thing we do not see is a rejection of God. 
See, it was Martin Luther King Jr. who once said that there can be no deep disappointment where there is not deep love. Indeed, bringing our disappointments to God is not a sign of unbelief, but a sign of love. It is evidence of the hope that we've put in God. And because that disappointment that we feel, that exasperation, that desperation is born out of hope denied and dreams deferred. But what do we do when those delays and those denials, when God's silence, when God's inactivity, when God's apparent or seeming apathy begins to look permanent? But when we look at this song, after he spends the first two thirds of this song, letting God have it. How long, oh God, turn and answer me. This is ridiculous, God, I'm down here struggling. After he does all that, I come to this observation that remembering God's work in the past justifies the faith of the present. You see, this song of David, a man after God's own heart, spends the first two thirds of his verses expressing the frustrations of someone whose God is taking too long. But instead of rejecting that God, he remembers. He remembers the many times that God has rescued him. He remembers the God who saw him in the field, tending to the flock as his father and his brothers tried to advance without him. He remembers the God who protected him as, as King Saul tried to kill him. He remembers the God who preserved a people through slavery in Egypt, through slavery in the Americas, through the Holocaust, through Jim Crow and apartheid, through colonization and imperialism. He remembers the God who was with refuge at Bethel, who was with us in the banquet hall, with us by the Walmart, with us in the movie theater and with us online. He remembers the God who woke Elder Charles Baldwin out of a coma after six weeks and brought him home to continue raising his children. He remembers the God who rescues and says, I will trust your unfailing love. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. You see, looking at our present circumstances ought to make us upset. It ought to. It ought to motivate us to want things better for everyone around us. It's fair to ask God how we got here in the first place and how long we're supposed to be here. But when you look at the resume, it makes sense while we'd be disappointed. We've seen God do such mighty works in the past. And we believe that God can do them again. The feeling of having our prayers left on red is a painful place to be. But let us remember that it was the cries of the blood of Abel that made God confront Cain. It was the cry of Hagar that led her to name God as the one who heard her. It was the cries of the people under slavery in Egypt that caught God's attention. It was the cry of Hannah in the temple that preceded the promise of Samuel. It was the cry of Jesus on the cross that tore the curtain, symbolizing the separation between God and the people. So let's not be ashamed of crying out to God in desperation and anger. Let's find the worship and our disappointment. Because our disappointment is merely evidence of our thriving belief in the God who rescues. I need that heard perfectly clear. 
the very fact that we get angry, that we get upset, the very fact that we get weary and disappointed in this God is evidence of the faith that we have in that God. There's this consistent image in scripture of God and the people of God in this wrestling match. And as you might know, Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, the father of the faith, uh, was once in a wrestling match with an angel of the Lord. Some people say the Lord himself, where he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. I know the, the the promise that you gave my father and his father before him. And, and right now I'm struggling with some things. And, and, and because I believe that you are big enough to keep these promises, Lord, I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to wrestle with you. And God blesses him at the same time that his hip is wrenched out of socket and he has to walk differently for the rest of his life with a brand new name. And I'm here to encourage somebody on today to stay in that wrestling match. You can let God have it. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? Because that wrestling match is born out of your belief the God who promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God who heard Hagar, the God who listened to the cries of Jesus on the cross and drew humanity closer, closer to him through that very moment. So don't let up because that God shares a love for us that hears our hearts. Let's pray. God, we confess that we get frustrated sometimes that we don't understand how you move. We don't understand the delays in your responses to our prayers and to our cries, but we've seen what you've done before and we believe that you are still the same, God. So Lord, we ask that you would accept our lament, our cries as a form of worship, as a form of praise, because there is no deep disappointment where there is not deep love. So Lord, we're trusting that you have a love for us that hears our hurts and we eagerly await the day of your salvation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.